if somebody's hearing us i could see it's we had a pay a small 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 technical Hello everybody and welcome to Brumvagoon, your weekly dose of bullshit and bicycle together with Stefano, aka Calamaro. Yeah, from time to time you have also a lot of important people speaking at this microphone or at my computer or whatever, you know what I mean. And today is another of those days. But let's start with my contact, hello at calamaro.cc is my email, you can write me over there and I will answer you personally all the times that you're sending me a message. Remember, next week is gonna be Tip Top Tuesday, so I need your suggestion there. You can also send me your suggestion on Instagram, instagram.com slash readcalamaro, or Twitter, twitter.com slash readcalamaro. And an intro is not a real intro without saying thank you to my sponsors. Thank you Isadora and Wahoo for supporting me. Yeah, I'm speeding up a bit, because this week I have a super long interview to put live. I had an amazing chat with a real chatterbox. It was lovely, but it was also super long. I'm talking about a couple of hours of recording that then I had to edit and now I'm gonna put live to let you listen to it. I had a talk with Chris Hall. You know Chris Hall for sure, because for sure you were passionate like me of the video of Francis Kate. So now he's around the world traveling and filming bicycle stuff. And at the beginning, I remember that he was filming this guy, Chris Hall, who was doing an amazing challenge. I'm talking about the 107 case for 107 days. Well, I had the opportunity to talk with him. It was a lovely conversation and I can swear that I want to interview him again. But let's start from the first one. And today I have here, here, it's on the other side of the computer and the microphone or whatever, <laughs> but a person that I have been seeing for a lot of videos, starting from the beginning. I am together here with Chris, Chris Hall. Hi, Chris. Hello, how are you? Super good. Chris Hall is the right uh, spelling of your name. I'm not making any mistake. Yeah, that's spelled completely right. Don't worry. Yeah, because usually I make a lot of mess, but especially for Polish and French names. My, my name, to be fair, my name is pretty simple, isn't it? It's kind of hard to get wrong. Uh, come on, you cannot just mesh me down at the first word. <laughs> just wait in a couple of questions, please. It's like jo John Smith, which is like the the... the the go-to name in the UK for like a normal average person. My name is on that kind of level of generic name. <laughs> okay, if you want, if you want to start this competition, I can tell you, I can ask you, can you spell my name, please? <laughs> <laughs> you don't, we don't need to do that. It's that easy. <laughs> okay, exactly, exactly, exactly. But just the name, not the surname. Come on, it's going to come. It's going to come. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, as you understand, it's going to be a crazy interview, but we're going to have a lot of fun for sure. At least Chris and me. Uh, you, I don't know. But we will see. And yeah, if you, we want to start, maybe we can start for a small introduction of you, Chris, just for the audience. We have been talking already with Chris for the last 30 minutes, exactly, we, offline. And we said we were only going to talk for half an hour, so that says a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Fortunately for you, you are living in the UK. And so this means that it's still a reasonable hour. For me, I hope that they're not kicking me out of the office soon because it's 8.30. That's another story. Tell us something about you, Chris. Uh, what can I say about me? I ride my... Well, I don't ride my bike a lot at the moment, but last year I rode my bike a, a lot. Um, I do a lot of uh, sort of endurance riding, specifically supporting a children's charity, which is called the Pace Centre, which is a, a school for kids with motor disorders. And last year I rode 107k every day for 107 days. And the videos you have seen, which is with my good buddy Francis, kind of shared that whole story to the, work, the world. And it, that's, it's, it's an amazing opportunity to be able to talk about a really fantastic charity and for people to get involved and get behind the challenge. Um, that's one challenge of quite a few challenges I've done. Um, and I, I do I do race a little bit every now and then. I do a lot of riding for fun. I do cycle in London pretty much every day, which is slow, but can be quite interesting as well. Depends. It depends on the day. Sometimes the traffic's pretty bad. I mean, you, you get that in Berlin anyway. It's, yeah, I do. I do all the time. A lot of traffic lights here. That's my main problem. Mm. Uh, so... Tell us a bit more. We will go actually eating also the main topic that is the 107. So it's 107 case for 107 days. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. 
But I want to know a bit more about your back, your cycling background. <laughs> how did you hit the bicycle at a certain point? And uh, yeah, how you got in love with it? And what did you do with the bicycle since the beginning from now, till now? It's a good story. This is a genuinely, actually, I think it's a really good story. I've told it to other people before and they've kind of gone, no, it's not that great. But the I, I actually could cycle before I could walk um, oh. as a as a real little guy uh my my sister got a pink bmx and i decided i quite liked that pink bmx and jumped on that and started riding and my my mum's house you you were a, you could basically cycle around the whole ground floor in a circle so i'd just go round and round and round in circles as a kid and the reason why i cycled as a kid was because i was lazy and i, I didn't want to walk anywhere and i thought cycling was more efficient i'd get places further and from then, I, I sort of I, I lived between Kent and the Isle of Man, and I've got family in both. And as a kid, I learned how to ride a track bike in the Isle of Man, but I used to do a lot of off-roading and mountain biking down in Kent. Um, the great thing about the Isle of Man as a place to ride is it's you know it's known for making really good cyclists. Uh, just I uh, really just name me one of those. Mark Cavendish. <laughs> ah, here you go. Might might be a former world champ. <laughs> might yeah, for example. <laughs> might also be very biased and absolutely love the man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I won't deny it. He is one of my all-time favourites in the list. But that's that's another discussion for another time. But he. Um, so as a as a kid, you, you know, there's a in the Isle of Man. There's a there's an outdoors velodrome, and everyone. Who was like young and kind of wanted to cycle would go there and there was this old lady that used to run it um i believe she still runs it i i honestly don't know how old she is now um but she must be pretty old and uh she she teaches you how to ride a track bike um wow. and when i when i was a kid and i used to go there you'd probably have 30 40 kids turn up um okay i went there i went back there a couple of years ago and there's probably 80 90 100 so it's, it shows how one or two very successful cyclists have kind of okay. escalated the sport in the isle of man um mm-hmm. and then i i actually then sort of stopped cycling and i went and started to play rugby when i was in my teens um i, I don't know what it was maybe it's some sort of built-up rage inside me that just wanted to run and charge into people but i quite enjoyed okay. i quite enjoyed rugby um I, okay 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 i uh I, I sort of played rugby at quite a high level until i got um injured quite badly um oh. and then i got injured quite badly put on load tons of weight got really fat um then i realized okay i can't really run anymore i should probably get cycling again and so i jumped on my bike again and the first like long distance ride i did after that was cycling from London to Brighton, which now is a regular training ride for me, but back, back. Uh, sorry, I will interrupt you on that. Uh, it's how many kilometers, if you can tell me, because I know that you love miles around, but I cannot understand anything. I, I'm, a, I'm a kilometer guy. I got bullied into it by a friend of mine. Great, because all bicycle lovers should be kilometer guys Completely or agree. girls. But yeah. if you're in a car, it's miles. You're driving in miles okay. in the car. Okay. But um, okay. yeah, yeah, Car, cars for sure in miles. <laughs> that's why I don't ride. That's why I don't drive any car. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I uh, London to Brighton is 120k. Yeah, makes sense. So now it's for cool. me at that time that was a massive ride, and uh, and I and I uh, I did it with a very good friend of mine who um, he's he's like a, he does a lot of running, so he doesn't really cycle. We both signed up to do it, but they, there's a charity ride which is London to Brighton um, for mm-hmm. the, the British Heart Foundation, and um, we decided to do they do a daytime one they also do a nighttime one and we decided to do the nighttime one because we thought well why wouldn't you do the nighttime one as you you know to get into cycling it makes complete sense it's probably scarier yes. um and that was our that was the first big ride i did in years and you know i was i was like honestly i was very overweight at that point um I've got the photo still. I've been considering posting one on Instagram recently, and I will probably do it at some point. Uh, if you don't want to say, to post it in, in Instagram by yourself, send it to me. I will post it. <laughs> I'm sure it's not a problem. A lot of people that would like that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Could be a good buzz for my Instagram account. It's nice. Yeah, it could work. I, I am in the photos. I am wearing uh, a Spider-Man uh, cycling kit as well. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah. That's that's so. That's a genuinely no lie. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, and so what's ironic now is that, so London to Brighton now for me is, and, and back is a regular training ride. I do that quite a lot. I really like the route. Um, 
it's quite good because it's it's t- generally quite quiet. Um, and so that was kind of cool. That I you know I bought like a cheap road bike, um, nothing special. Um, it was way too big for me because I bought it off a of mate. It's complete wrong size. Had so many un- uncomfortable issues on it, but it rekindled a love for cycling that I had as a kid. And going from there, I. I, I then was going to university and I, I studied architecture. Um, for me, uh, I used to basically cycle from where I was living in London, in Greenwich, and then cycle to university, which was still in Greenwich, but another point of Greenwich. Um, and I used to just cycle between there and, there and back. And that uh, kept me kind of getting active again. And then, and then I uh, decided that I was going to cycle across Romania, um, kind of pretty spontaneously with a couple of friends. Um, and, and the reason for Romania was, um, this this relates back to the Pace Centre. Um, the Pace Centre supports a, a school in Romania, which is a school that helps out children with motor disorders. And my, my connection to Pace is a, a club that I would ride with a lot when I was younger. Does a lot of fundraising for the Pace Centre. And, and I've got friends who've got kids there as well. So it's very, okay. a very special and important charity to me. Uh, and so we rode from the north western point of Romania I think it's in Bacau we started and basically snaked our way down, all the way across the, the um, Carpathian mountain range and finished somewhere in the south-ish side past Transylvania can't remember where to be honest with you um, okay over five days and it was about I think it was roughly 100 miles every day um, a lot of climbing and I signed up to do it uh, and realized I was too fat really um okay so i then increased my cycling a bit more from riding uh from university and back to basically try and lose a bit of weight and get a bit fitter um it worked i went out there did the ride and then probably one of the most incredible experiences i've ever had because I, I, I had no expectations of romania and it, it blew me away absolutely blew me away and then after that these sort of challenges kind of uh have kept coming um the next big one for me was um, was riding around Richmond Park in London for 24 hours, which is Richmond Park is uh, a r- real mecca for London cyclists. Everybody's riding over there. It looks like there is only Richmond Park <laughs> in London for riders, really. You've got Richmond and Regents. Regents is the morning one. You never see any photos of Regents Park. <laughs> okay. It's not that exciting. Um, so Regents Park is like a six kilometer c- uh, circle. Richmond Park is about 12 kilometers um it's not flat there's quite a bit of climbing in it um and i I decided to ride around there for 24 hours and as as far as i could tell it never been done before and it took a lot of organization a lot of um kind of uh pestering the council and the uh the there's a, a thing called the royal parks in london which looks after all the major parks and it took a lot of persuasion to get those guys on board and basically me pretty much begging saying i'm, I'm doing this for charity this is the reason this is the amazing cause um we're going to do a short sort of film about it because we want to get as much exposure for the charity and it, it'll look good if you get involved and they did they, they bought into that and got involved with it, which was fantastic that was hard um probably wasn't fit enough to do it um probably didn't train correctly for it but i did it and we made it great a lot we met you know we've got some good uh, funds for pace and it was a real you know it's a real experience and richmond park is full of deer as well which is pretty crazy at night time and then from there um we sort of screened the we did the short film and screened it um and at the screening i'd been discussing about doing something else for pace um i wasn't quite sure what it was and i've been discussing with my friend jimmy for quite a while about what to do and then i, I basically texted him one night saying 107 kilometers every day for 107 days. Now, wow. the significance of 107 is the pace center looks after 107 children. <laughs> There's one kilometer every day for every kid there and then one day for every child at the charity. I think I think Jimmy's response to me was, you're nuts. <laughs> uh, I would have done the same, <laughs> I would say. And, that, and, that, so we, and then we announced it at the screening of the film and I was going to be starting it I think three or four days later. So it's pretty close. Um, yeah. So I started on the 16th of December 2016, um, which feels like an absolute it feels really a long time ago now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just one year ago at the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, but it feels a lot further than that. And we, the, you know, I was doing that while working a full time job. Um, so mm-hmm. I was getting up in the mornings at four ish. 
depending if I actually woke up. And then the aim was always every day when I was working, try and get three, two hours, three hours done before work, try and get a big chunk of that mileage or kilometers done. Mm -hmm. Um, And then go to work, do my normal job and then finish off after work. That's what I do in the weekdays. And at the weekends, I would basically make myself have a lay in and do it probably starting at like 11 o'clock. That was the plan. Didn't always go that way. Obviously, these kind of things over three and a half months don't. Uh, uh, we generally, I found that towards the start of the week, I'd feel all right. You know, it was doable. Mm-hmm. I could get up at half four in the morning. I could jump on the bike, get to Regent's Park, and I'd, I'd do it in the Regent's Park in the mornings on work days because it was close and easy. Um, okay. And as the week would go on, I'd be getting up slightly later every day. Like going to work, you know, if you have flexible hours, it's always like this. Exactly. <laughs> it started to drag from 10 minutes to two hours late, ah. usually, especially as the challenge went on. Um, and there was regularly days where I would um, probably have 80 kilometers to do after work. And I, I was quite strict to myself that I'd say the cutoff point is midnight. It has to be done before midnight. Otherwise, the challenge is done. Um, And there was a few points where it got very, very close to midnight. Um, I think one, the closest I got to it was three minutes to midnight. Wow. And what did you do actually to get in time? You started speeding up as crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Basically, I, I ended up working. I, I, I had a good morning that day. It was quite, it was the first week of the challenge. I had a really good morning. Um, uh-huh. Got about 75 kilometers done in the morning. Um, I remember it very clearly because I remember really getting very worried about it and Basically, I ended up having to stay quite late at work. Uh, when I say quite late, I mean half 10. So I gave myself an hour and a half to kind of nail down the remaining distance. Uh, it was hard. And the problem is, is when you have a day like that, it, ju- it, it, could call, it could basically put the next day at risk because you're physically, you're, you've done damage to yourself. You've worn yourself out a bit more. Um, so the, the, the kind of the main goal was to try and be as consistent with my speed every single time and and you know I, I use a power meter i use a heart rate monitor and I, i and i needed to make sure i was being consistent with my power and speed to know that i wasn't overdoing it and i'm very lucky that i've got a very good friend who's a coach and he looked after me and still does look after me i knew what numbers i had to hit and what i had to ride to um, and the reason why having all this data was so important because it was realistically was the only way i was going to survive doing something like this and there's many ups and downs you know there i, I got food poisoning at one point which wasn't great Um, that was a couple of days which it, where it took me about nine hours to do the distance. Um, mm. And I was close, very close to chucking it in then. Very, very close. The, the thing that made the difference for me was that when I actually kind of got to this point where, you know, I had my head in the toilet, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I was sitting there going, why am I doing this? And then I was sitting there thinking, i know why I'm doing this. I'm doing this for my mate's son, Charlie. Yeah, okay. You are visualizing the goal itself. Exactly. And... Mm. Charlie's my friend's son. Charlie's a little legend. And um, he he was kind of the, re- the thing that got me through that day, to be quite honest. Um, and that was really, it was really important for me knowing that I, I was very, I, I very publicly put it out there what I was going to do. And so I knew that if I didn't do it, I was, to me, it was a failure. And I, I wasn't gonna, I was gonna do everything not to fail through the whole challenge. Sounds, it, on paper, when you say 107 kilometers, it doesn't sound that bad. Um, but when you, when you add that up over that amount of days, the buildup of just having aches in your body, um, it does add up. And the thing, that I, the thing that I struggled with more than anything was probably the emotional side of it. Um, yeah. Because physically you're tired, mentally you're exhausted. You know, towards the end of it, I, I, I'm quite open about it and I, I talk quite a lot about it publicly at the moment. Is um, I, I was getting very, very depressed. And, oh, well, and that, okay. that's just because your body is trying to find any angle or way to make you stop to allow you to rest. So you get the pains, you get the aches, you can blank all of that out. That's not a problem. But, when, but then you get to a point when your mind starts playing games on you and that's when it becomes hard. And that's when you realize the severity and the scale of this challenge while trying to work a normal job, pay your bills, cook your dinner, have your breakfast, you know, structuring everything pretty much down in 15 minute slots every single day. And that was, and then having it finished on my last day, I didn't know what to do with myself, quite frankly. I actually went for a ride on the 108th day. <laughs> well, that makes sense because you're used to it, it you should exactly it was my re- my cool down so to speak okay but you know it's a, it, we made we, we did a, an incredible thing for a very small charity here in the uk um yeah 
raised a lot of money, which is one part of it. But the, the more significant part is the exposure, um, not just getting Pace as a charity known to people, but also getting people to know about Pace, people that could do with the support that they offer. Because there's a lot of there's not many places like them in the UK, and they're very unique in the kind of support and education and teaching they provide to children. And to uh, basically put them in the spotlight to allow people around the country and even around the world to know who they are as a place of support, that's that's more important than anything. Yeah. So you still continue being in touch with them for sure, because it's, it looks like, okay, you have also uh, your friend's kids staying there and... Uh... Yeah, it looks like you are still in contact. But how did they get actually, um, how did they get over this kind of huge exposure that you gave them? They're doing better now. Yeah, they are doing better. I mean, they, they were already doing pretty well. The problem with Pace is they, as a, as a small charity, they don't get a lot of government funding. Um, okay. And, it, uh, and they almost get no government funding. So they're self-funded every year, which is, that's where the tricky bit is. Um, the exposure has helped them in the sense that they've been able to, tap into pockets of monies from businesses and from companies that they wouldn't have been able to tap into before. And that, that's come from people that work at companies who've seen some of France's videos and they've gone, we've got a, a pot of charity money which we can use to help a charity like this. And, and so that's, which is amazing. It's absolutely incredible. And that pot of money has been, from some companies, has been very substantial. And What, you know, the, what the money does to help is it pays for a lot of the equipment. Uh, as, a, as a school, they're very staff heavy, which you need to be with children like that. Uh, every kid has a carer to them. And then there's normally one or two teachers in every class. So when you start okay. to add that up, it's over double the amount of students in the school. <laughs> the, main, the other main expense, apart from paying for staff, is equipment. Um, a lot of the kids use what's called... Uh, like a point book, which is basically like a, a book with loads of images in, and they will point to it um, with their, their foot or their hands. And, and some of the kids aren't able to point, so they will have the next level up, which is like an eye monitor, which is like, if you explain like what Stephen Hawkins has, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what it's kind of this, uh, let's say, transparent board with all the letters and people just, and kids just at watching at the letters are saying that word, their words. Yes, exactly. And the machine speaks for them. And... Um, they're not cheap <laughs> that's where the money's become incredibly important is allowing them to be able to help support children with those kind of things because you know the, the things like cerebral palsy they are incredibly restricting diseases and it's not a lot of people misinterpret the those things like cerebral palsy that the children aren't necessarily smart um it's nothing to do with that they're incredibly intelligent children what what is sometimes interpreted as being stupid is actually frustration and a build up of frustration and being able to not being able to show or talk or explain what those kids are wanting to try and explain and talk about um so things like these eye reading computers are basically freeing these children up to be able to have freedom yeah 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 i exactly yeah i can see the point and yeah i think you did a great job actually giving them all this visibility but you talked already about three different challenges that you did for them and you're gonna do something more in the future and uh, for sure and super happy to know this kind of stuff and actually to know that there are people that while cycling are supporting this structure. That's amazing. Mm. This can let people understand how much we are, everybody obviously, but cyclists care about, not only about their body and as fast as they can, how fast they can go, but also about all the world that is around. Mm. And that's a great powerful message that I try to give all the times. And I'm super happy to hear your voice saying these kind of things right now. But it's, it's so, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I love riding my bike. Um, if I can find a way to effectively ride my bike and support an amazing cause, whether that means putting myself physically and mentally through hell, I'll do it because there's a much bigger picture than you, you myself, you know, my next door neighbor at home, whoever, there's a much bigger picture than us. And I, and I think we, a lot of people don't quite understand actually that there's, so, we can do so much more to help other people, um, And which is, you know, I think I think I'm quite lucky that my, my how I grew up was raised as a kid as my, my grandparents used to run a charity. Um, okay, okay. And it was an animal charity. So mm -hmm. you name it, we had it as a pet at some point, which is pretty cool. 
Yeah. They, I had it drilled into me from a very, very young age that, say, for example, pocket money, a bit I keep, a bit goes to charity. And I think, you know, I'm very thankful of my grandparents and my parents for raising me in that way because I think it means that I continually think in my mind, as long as, long as I've got enough um, to keep myself happy, whether that's money, um, whether that's free time, whatever it is, as long as I've got enough of that for myself, the rest of it, I'm quite happy to give away and support whatever kind of cause I feel appropriate makes sense and yeah. if i th- personally I, I very strongly think if more people do this the, the world's going to be a better place in all honesty it's quite simple and what what was really special and important to me was having francis involved and having francis you know he he gets it he really understands pace and same with my met my friend jimmy who supported me a lot through the challenge and through a lot of stuff um Without those guys, we, you know, I, I made a real point that we, when the challenge was done, we were going to go and visit the school together, the three of us. Wow. We, we were going to cycle there, which we did, yeah, um, and be there in our kit and go and meet all the kids that we've, we'd done this incredible challenge. And I, Jimmy always says to me, one of the things Jimmy always says to me is, I always refer to the challenge as a we, not an mm-hmm. I. Okay. Because it wasn't just me that did it. I mean, you'd argue. It's me that cycled the distance, but yeah. I couldn't have done it without the people around me, hands mm-hmm, down. Mm-hmm. And that's whether yeah. it's Francis being there, videoing it, creating the exposure, Jimmy, my friend Jimmy and Emily, who are the guys that, that, that their clothing brand, Atticus, they basically, yeah. they're like my mum and dad, quite frankly. Oh, okay. And okay. I'd go to, when I was feeling down, I'd go to their house and just confide in them Um or I would go there for dinner sometimes because I was knackered. I didn't want to cook. Okay. Okay. And having, or example, one of my mates, George, he would always be out there riding with me. And so okay. very much a we, and it's not just a we as in my friends, it's a we from, as in strangers who got involved and got behind the challenge. Yeah, because you were actually, uh, sorry if I interrupt you, you, I was reading that there were sometimes during the weekend, bunch of people, group of people coming to ride with you and to support you. Yeah, yeah. And not just at the weekends in the weekdays as well um, ah cool before work and after work and that made a huge difference because it quite, i mean you can see it in a in a in a in a cycling race is that you sit behind someone you're going to use less energy and for me especially towards the end when i i was i was really struggling the last couple of weeks physically mm-hmm. and mentally and having other riders around could kind of take that distraction away from my mind and it it was what made it doable is having people to ride with and it just meant that there's people to talk to and i didn't care if it was the same chat every day in all honesty it's just someone to distract me yeah, yeah um, that makes sense so it, it, the whole challenge I, i i continually refer it as a we because it wouldn't have happened without everybody that was involved whether that is my direct friends who were there supporting me and keeping me going every day to the people i met on the road to the, the strangers that I met riding, to, for, I could, I've got so many little stories from things that have happened on that challenge, as you can imagine. Someone turning up with mince pies one day, homemade mince pies, that was amazing. <laughs> There's so, really? so many stories like that. And that is a, you know, the whole challenge is something that I will, I, 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 I'm lucky that I have it as a memory to cherish and look back on for the rest of my life. Uh, yeah. Also because the, yeah, the, the challenge itself made you Uh, talk with me here today. So it's great for you. So I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding, Chris. It adds to the, adds to the bucket list, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I have two questions about the challenge, actually. One is for the start and one is for the end. Why did you decide to start in December? I decided to start in December because I wanted to finish on the day that I finished on. Okay, so you were planning already to finish on the Tour de Flanders. Yep. Um, Tell me more about it then. So the reason for starting, yeah, so the main thing for starting on December was I wanted to finish at Flanders and because for me, I love that race. It is my favorite race of the year. And I Don't tell me, don't tell me. I've, <laughs> I've done already two or three times. It's I can so understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I love the whole classic season. 
if, if I was ever to be a pro cyclist, I'd be a classics rider. I love that. I love that, just the grit and the riding out there, the proper cycling, you know, being the, the hard man rider, so to speak. I mean, that's probably not me, but that's that's how, in my head, I'm a classics rider. Okay. In reality, I'm probably more of a mouse. But okay, okay. for me, it's the, it's the best race of the year. And I, I love that whole weekend, that whole classics period. And I knew I wanted to finish at the Sportif. I wanted the Sportif to be the last day. And we, when I was deciding to do it and think about it, it was it was something that we discussed a lot. And uh, I talked about it with Jimmy quite a lot. And he was like, I'm not really sure if that should be the right... Maybe the last day should be in the UK. And I was like... I said, said to him, the last day I want it to be me riding the roads. I love riding with my mates. Mm-hmm. we can do I said to him, we can do all the press stuff beforehand and we can do it after but I really just want the last day to be me and my mates doing it lovely I can really I can really see yeah the points so it was great by the way actually because I was watching your videos on yourself riding the Tour de Flanders while I was there mm. I was saying that's great you know that's really great such a huge thing to do and such a huge day to finish i think that you yeah you were really really brave on doing it because finishing your 107 rides on april means going through the whole winter yeah yeah so i respect you even more if if i I could actually for you have done this and then finish on that amazing day and riding through the whole winter crazy it was, it, 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 you know, it was incredibly tough at points, but I, to, to me, a big part of it was if I, I kind of thought if I did it in the summer, people would be like, ah, oh, it's not that bad. So a big part of it as well was if I did it in the winter, it makes the whole challenge harder and it, it makes people actually realize that it's pretty tough um, riding in the winter anyway. I think a lot of people don't, uh, you know, a lot of people shy away to turbo trainers very easily. Um, I have no problem with turbo training. I do a lot of riding on turbos because it's very good for structured training. Um, okay. But um, for me, and I, 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 and I very openly uh, did a couple of my days indoors during 107. The reason for that was because I got food poisoning, for example. <laughs> but for me, a big part of it was to challenge myself physically and mentally by doing this through the winter meant that it was a bigger challenge and... And it meant that more people got behind it and it got more exposure and more support. And then I, I, I knew exactly where I wanted to finish it. And I, and, I, and I knew that I would be very emotional at that point, which if anyone wants to watch the video and see me cry, it's on Francis <laughs> channel. <laughs> yeah. I think I cried twice at it, actually. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know. I definitely cry once. I'm pretty sure it might be twice. Um, okay. 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 That's what you're saying when you're saying your mind starts making tricks to you. Yeah. It was a very, it was a very, um, the last day was very, you know, it was very emotional and it, it, it was quite dramatic as well because uh, Ant, who was there, who's a, one of my oldest friends, Ant is, and I, he, he, we like, we've been riding together for years. Okay. And, um, I always go to Flanders with Ant. Ant was very unwell. Uh, obviously, first thing to put in perspective, the 106th day, we still had to ride 107 kilometers. So we had to get a very, basically we finished on the 105th day, finished in London. I picked up, Francis met me at my house and we drove to Ant's house, which is down in Kent, and um, got the first train, the first Eurostar, in the morning so it's very very early didn't really sleep and that was because we needed the whole day because i was exhausted by this point we needed the whole day to be able to get the 107 kilometers done on the 106th day and so realistically i don't i must have got three hours sleep in that time Mm -hmm. so emotions are high anyway at that point and and came out and and drove us there and um, you know, we stayed in the same hotel. We stay, always stay in the same hotel. Ant drove us mm-hmm. there, and uh, we went and rode the 106th day around uh, Belgium and around the Rondo region. And um, Ant was really unwell, and he got worse and worse as the day went on. And Fr- Francis wasn't very well either. It's me. Like, I'm I'm in pieces, <laughs> and had to sadly couldn't ride the 107th day, which for was really was really tough for me because he's one of my best mates 
and um, I wanted him there to ride with him on the last day. And he wanted to be there, and unfortunately he couldn't. Um, so instead, and um, drove his car around the circuit and basically tried to catch us on the circuit every single time. Okay, just to let you see his face. Yeah, and he was the first person at the finish line. I mean, you know, it was Francis and me who crossed the line together, and... Ant was the first person I went to see at the finish afterwards. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Such an amazing story, man, really. And how did and how is your life changed right now? It's been pretty crazy, to be honest with you. I mean, because we, the whole challenge was, was done pretty quite low key, kind of, you know, myself and a couple of friends helping me. And uh, it, it exploded as a challenge, you know, it, it got a lot of exposure internationally. I, I was on national TV and national newspapers over here in cycling magazines and stuff, which I'm quite a normal guy. Like, that's kind of weird. Um, and, you know, I don't really have, in my opinion, anyone can, can, I'm quite happy if people want to challenge this, but in my opinion, I haven't got the best face for sitting on the front cover of a magazine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... I was kind of like... I'm going to look it now in the Google. I want to check it. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, you know, I, I was kind of like, it was quite, took me back quite a lot. And so after the challenge, anyway, the, the, the main thing that came out is I, I left the design industry. Um, okay. I, I decided um, I'd worked in architecture and, and in interior design for quite a few years since I graduated and I decided that actually this isn't right for me where I am at now I need to be doing something that um, I can do to help support other people and whether that's in cycling or whatever and uh, a very good friend of mine sort of uh, pitched the idea of setting up a, a small business together um, I say together kind of he was going to do it anyway and he asked me to be involved in it um, And so we did. We decided to set a business up, which is a, a, like a cycling distribution and engineering firm. There's two parts of it. Um, and we, you know, we, the, the distribution and engineering firm kind of funds the, the, the business itself. Um, but a big part of the business is supporting junior riders and um, supporting teams, coaches, you know, grassroots cycling um, and being very involved in that in the UK scene. Um, So, for example, we sponsor Sarah Story's team, which is um, a fantastic ladies' team here in the UK. And Sarah Story is an incredible ambassador for the sport, as well as her husband, Barney, who runs the team. Um, and we sponsor some, you know, fantastic junior riders who have gone and raced at the World Champs. And, you know, it's really inspiring seeing those guys doing these kind of things. And equally, we, we from, you know, from the guys that are doing things at a very high level like that, We're helping people who are much more human and, you know, work a normal job who still want to do amazing things. Um, as a, a guy that's um, racing in the National Kilo Championship, and th that's incredible. Like, he, 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 works for, he works for, like, a phone network. So he's a, pretty, he's a really normal guy. Uh, but we've helped him and supported him by helping his training and assisting his training and providing him with an appropriate coach that can kind of help him to be the best he can possibly be to do that. And we're under no illusions. He's probably not going to win, but he's going to give it a damn good shot. And that's kind of how that all came around. And that's, um, I started working for this, this, this company. It was, it's two days a week originally, um, while trying to juggle other bits of work in between some of it, not fun, a lot of it, not in cycling, but it was effectively ways to pay the bill. And, um, I went on holiday to Girona, uh, where I've got a really good friend who lives out there. And, um, I, I then got a message saying we're in a position where I think we can, you know, make this a proper job for both of us at that time. Um, obviously, I jumped at that opportunity. You know, it's something that I'd sort of seen grown from nothing to something where we'd been involved with a really incredible ladies team and starting to support some really amazing junior riders and being able to get them into a position where they can, you know, do something with their lives. And I, I straight away, I was like, yeah, done. Just let me sign the let me sign the contract. Send it to me now. And it's sit, sign. <laughs> send me an email. Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> send me send me the contract by email. I'll digitally sign it. And uh, okay. So that that was in October last year, and you know since then we've grown from the two of us to five of us now. Um, Lovely. And we're you know we're really 
really privileged and honored to be working with the riders and the the brands that we're working with and it, it you know it's a real exciting little project um and i can only see it growing more and more as time goes on and it's you know it's fantastic because I, I get to be involved in an industry that i love and is very much part of my blood and part of me cool uh yeah great thing and actually i'm really happy that you are also sharing with us this kind of uh different angle or having a look on cycling so which one are the thing that you are liking the most in this period on really working close relationship with women's uh, team and junior teams which one are the things that you can see that you like and uh, that probably they are not something that's that's something that is missing in the pro world let's say i think um uh, you know at the moment currently uh, the, there's two things really i guess i could say from this the the junior guys um they they're young they're young guys and they they don't really know how to um get themselves exposure and to get themselves in the right places and the right people and so it's really one a thing that's really important for us is supporting those guys and getting them in interviews and getting them talking to the right people because they don't know how to do it and the only way you can do that is by doing it more and more and you know women cycling is is growing massively as a sport which is fantastic but there's still i personally feel that there is still some very backwards and outdated attitudes to it like Why isn't there a multi-day women's Tour de France? For example, you know? I had this conversation just for now that we're recording. I had this conversation just yesterday, but people can find actually an episode about these ladies that are doing the Tour de France, amateur ladies, that are doing the Tour de France one day in advance just to show to everybody that everybody can do the Tour de France. Just The only thing that you need is the training, not a particular gender. For me, women's cycling is going to be the fastest growing side of the sport, hands down. And it needs to be, and it will be, um, as long as people more senior than us kind of realize that there's no reason why there should be no, gender shouldn't be an issue. It should be very open and neutral, you know. There should be a, a, a women's Tour de France multi-stage race. It should be the same for any of the multi-stage tours. And, you know, you, you get junior races of that, you already get multi-stage junior races, Why shouldn't you have multi-stage women races? I mean... For sure, uh, for sure. And maybe we can also get more engaging races than the exactly. men ones that right now are just Completely boring. 100% agree with you, you know. The, the thing with, mm. you know, in, in, the, in the male pro peloton, you've realistically, you've got one, maybe two teams, mainly one team that dominates. And you could argue, I, I don't even need to say who it is, everyone could guess who it is. You could argue that part of that's money, part of that's the training part of that could be whatever's going on under the under the carpet you know but quite frankly that that team in question has just been very very clever with the riders they've signed as well and there's a that team pretty much every rider in that can win a race other teams haven't been able to compete with that i could see this changing because um um the uh, uae emirates team budget is actually bigger than any other team this year for 2018 Um, so it will change and I think it will open up the pro peloton but I don't think it will change in the sense that there's still going to be one dominant team we know that the women's cycling because there isn't the investments and the funds in that or that there isn't the money in it quite frankly the teams are much more open so you can never really predict who's going to win there is there is one probably notable team that is maybe a little bit more dominant than anyone else but I would say generally speaking the winner can come from anywhere the racing is fantastic to watch And you could even argue that, and, the, and sorry, you could even argue that on the junior racing as well, because most junior races, you're not allowed radios. And therefore, they're attacking like mad, those guys. You know, the under 23s and juniors. It's like bam, 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 attack. It's great to watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, man. I'm really sad, but I think that we have to short down the conversation because we are getting almost one hour of recording. <laughs> I think we are around 15 minutes. I might minutes. too much. Um, No, no, we can continue anyways, but the point is that I think that some at a certain point somebody will kick me out from the <laughs> office. And I would like actually to finish it with a super open question to you. Anyways, if you are open, maybe we can have another talk for another episode for another yeah, interview. Of course, of course. Would be nice. Maybe we can touch another topic. It's not a problem. But I want to ask you the last open question. Now, just think about <laughs> you had already. If you want to shoot the last topic at the end of the episode what do you want to say 
Oh my god, how can you do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> I know how to shut you out down. I know this. The last, what can we talk about? Jeez. Uh, non lo so, I don't know, I don't know, sorry, I was speaking in Italian, non lo so, everything that shot into my mind, you can talk about your dog, on how many um, um, bicycles oh, do you have, on what you are expecting from your 2018, or the last message that you want to send to my audience, that is going to be your audience for this time, <laughs> be free. I would, you know, I, I, I'd say, um, I, think, I think, to put it simply, like, I, 2018 is still going to be a year of me doing challenges, um, I will okay. still be doing pretty exciting things. Um, primary, and you cannot tell us anything. Oh, you can. <laughs> well, I know your game. I've dealt with people like you before. <laughs> I let's put it this way: the, the primary thing at the moment is for me to get my health back. Um, okay, makes sense. From there, okay. when when I start to feel better, it will dictate very much. Um, what i end up doing this year and when i end up doing it but i can i can be quite open and say that it will be um things that involve riding a bike far <laughs> or for a long time <laughs> so just like far or for a long time and it might not always be on a road bike okay okay but the okay okay and the pace is still gonna be involved of course 100 percent yeah okay 100%. lovely they're, very, they're, they're pivotal okay. to pretty much everything i do so uh, there is a kind of a huge question mark into my brain right now <laughs> okay uh, I, I don't know i not i swear to everybody i'm not gonna ask you neither in private not privately i just want to see it from your social media so i will not push you anymore to tell you me see the, the, re the, the, the big the big reason why i don't uh, the reason why I, i tend not to say things is because i i spend a lot of time And I get and people pull me up on this quite a lot. They're like, why do you never just, if someone asks you, why don't you say what you're going to do? And the, the genuine reason is, is because I, I have an idea of what I'm thinking of doing, but I don't, I will never say something until I've committed to it. Um, otherwise, I'm putting a challenge or an idea out there. There's, there's hundreds of ideas going around in my head. And realistically, if I could do them all, I would. But there's, there's many things that can come into play that can stop things. For example, being very unwell. Uh, is a, a very key factor to it um, and so I don't I'm very conscious that I don't pub, I don't publicly say something until I, I feel that it's the correct time to say it and, and then I will say it through my social media by just putting it out there to the world um, and then it went you, you normally know when I've done that it's probably had about three months maybe four months of me thinking about doing it beforehand um, and when, when I put it out there and say that I'm going to do something that's when It's going to happen. The only example, the only example of something that didn't have that much time and thought process was the the national 24s last year. Um, I signed up for that two weeks before. <laughs> Stupid <Okay>. idea. <laughs> yeah, 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 I can see. And yeah, but I think that also you have another reason why you don't want to tell to everybody what you are going to do. It's just that you are really, really scared that somebody will copy you. <laughs> I'm kidding. Nobody wants to ride 107 days, 107 k's for 107 you know what? days. I, 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 in all honesty, one of the things that's been really lovely um, is a lot of people have contacted me and asked me for an opinion and for help and advice on doing similar kind of challenges. Um, that and that the the, the, the 107 for 107 has created a real legacy for people that want to do things like that. And for example, I had a, a chap who wanted to ride. I think it's a hundred, it's 200 kilometers every day for 10 days. And he, an older guy, um, and he, and he, and he had no connection to the pace center. And he said, I, I want to do this for the pace center. And he was doing it as his retirement thing. Um, so it's a mate, absolutely amazing. And, and I had another chap who I've been speaking to, uh, quite a lot recently on my Instagram, on sort of private message, who is cycling 50 miles every day for 50 days. And he, he's doing that for a, a, a friend of his who passed away recently. And so what's what's incredible about that challenge is it's allowed people to realize that that kind of thing is doable and you can do that to support a cause that's very important to you. And, and I'm very happy to be the person to give advice and an opinion on how to cope with that. And, and I, I, I'm very honored that people ask me If uh, everyone that's done something like it has asked if they mind, and I, of, co of course, do it. I don't, I don't own the challenge or the idea. It's open for people to do that. And if if you want to do something like that and you want to do it for an amazing cause, 
fantastic. Do it. So 2018, a brand new challenge that we are going to discover soon. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure when, but first, as I say, priority number one is for me to get healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Take care of yourself. Try to get as strong as you are already and how, how strong are you going to be <laughs> uh, in the next future for sure and then I will really wait impatiently to have a look on what you're going to I'm, I'm in the same time. I'm in the same position it's like I, I, I kind of want to I want to be able to commit to something to tell people what I, I would like to be doing next or what I'm going to intend to do and for me it will happen sooner rather than later because I, I'm at that point I get to this point where I'm like I'm hungry for something and I'm, I'm, I've been there for about three weeks <laughs> yeah okay okay maybe the only promise that I want to uh, to get from you is that maybe after the challenge that you're gonna do maybe we can have another course, chat on my of podcast course, no problem would be nice perfect thanks a lot and maybe we can also we can discuss about it offline i think that we can also take or take some conversations or whatever about women mm-hmm. cycling and whatever it would be nice because not so many people are talking about it apart from the famous uh podcast mm. around but that's another story and it was a pleasure really chris it was a huge pleasure huge in terms of actually the way that is going to be this file that i'm going to put in my computer <laughs> because we have been talking for one hour <laughs> But it was really a pleasure. I actually, I didn't know about it, even if I was watching a lot of videos of uh, yourself on Francis' channel. But actually, now I think I discovered somebody that can beat me on talking. Yeah, really. You know, I've had it very often told that I need to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. It's something that I'm doing it right now. So thanks a lot, Chris. (laughs) Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Cheers. I told you. I told you that it was a long interview, but I hope that you had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. And at the end of the day, I think it was great. Give me your feedback. You know where. Hello at calamaro.cc, my email. Twitter.com slash readcalamaro. Instagram.com slash readcalamaro. These are the places where you can contact me, especially for the Tip Top Newsday of next week. I have already a topic, but I want to know if you want to know something else. Thanks, Isadora, and thanks all for the support, and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.